Section 14 of Louis Pasteur by Albert Keim and Louis Lumet. Translated by Frederick Tabor Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 10. The Supreme Homage. Pasteur was seventy years of age. From his earliest years of study he had consecrated his life to science and unwaveringly, with tireless energy that neither envious attacks nor bodily illness could break down, he had pursued, through a chain of strong and harmonious logic, the revolution which his genius had introduced into science and medicine. Now, in spite of the last selfish resistance of those who were not willing to surrender to the evidence of the truth, his name became famous throughout the world, his methods were introduced into numberless laboratories, his discoveries were everywhere being applied with success. Pasteur, bowed with suffering and with years, almost incapacitated to do further work, was surrounded by universal admiration and by the personal affection of that group of scientists who within his institute were pursuing their personal researches along the path that he had traced. It was at this epoch that various committees were formed, both in France and abroad, for the purpose of celebrating the 70th anniversary of his birth. The movement emanated from Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, while at Paris the Academy of Sciences was deeply stirred on the 7th of November, 1892, by a letter from its section of medicine and surgery asking that homage should be paid to the illustrious scientist. Monsieur the President, Monsieur Pasteur will be 70 years of age on the 27th of next December. The section of medicine and surgery feels that it ought to take the initiative in celebrating this glorious anniversary, yet while medicine and surgery both owe Monsieur Pasteur a boundless admiration and gratitude, we know that the Institute as a whole is united in this same sentiment. Accordingly, we propose to invite our colleagues in the Institute, as well as all others who have benefited from the labors and discoveries of Monsieur Pasteur, either in the domain of scientific research or in the practice of their art, to contribute to a subscription raised for the purpose of offering our illustrious compatriot a souvenir and a homage on the occasion of this jubilee. To this end, the section of medicine and surgery has constituted itself a subscription committee. Monsieur Duclos has kindly consented to cooperate with us, and Professor Granchet has undertaken the duties of secretary of the committee. We beg that our colleagues will send their offerings to the office of the secretary of the institute. The members of the committee, Marais, Charcot, Brancecard, Granchet, Bouchard, Venoy, Guillon, Duclos. The Academy of Sciences hastened to comply with the desire of its section of medicine, and at the following meeting, Pasteur expressed his thanks to his colleagues. I was not present, he said, at the opening of the last meeting when the president read the letter from the section of medicine and surgery. Someone was kind enough to detain me outside. It was well he did so. I should have been too deeply moved to return adequate thanks to my colleagues for the excessive honor they are preparing for me. Even today I am unable to express all the emotion and gratitude that I feel. Roti, a member of the Institute, was chosen to execute the medal, which was to be presented to him, 
and Messieurs Bouchard and Guillon undertook to arrange the details of the Jubilee. It took place on December 27, 1892, in the presence of the President of the Republic, Sadi Carnot, in the great amphitheater of the new Sorbonne. Seated on the platform were to be seen, to the right of the President's chair, Monsieur Dabadie, President of the Academy of Sciences, Le Royer, President of the Senate, Ribot, President of the Council of Ministers, the ambassadors from Russia, England, Austria-Hungary, Belgium, Portugal, the Netherlands, Sweden and Norway, Denmark and Bavaria. On the left, Messieurs Joseph Bertrand, Permanent Secretary of the Academy of Sciences, Charles Floquet, President of the Chamber, Charles Dupuis, Minister of Public Instruction, and all the other ministers. Behind these official personages were the delegations from the Institute, the Academy of Medicine, and foreign scientific societies. Monsieur Greillat, Vice-Rector of the Academy of Paris, Monsieur Perrault, Director of the École Normale, the deans of the faculties, the presidents of the Court of Cassation, of the Council of State, and of the Court of Appeals. The auditorium was occupied by delegations from the schools and faculties, the General Association of Students, the hospital staffs, the École Normale Supérieure, the Polytechnique, and the Faculty of Medicine, the Faculty of Sciences, and the School of Pharmacy. It was a chosen assemblage wrought to the highest pitch of enthusiasm and comprising representatives of all that was best in art and science and intellectual thought. At half-past ten, Louis Pasteur made his entry, leaning on the arm of the President of the Republic, while the band of the Republican Guard saluted him with a triumphal march, and the entire assemblage arose to its feet and acclaimed him with rounds of applause. Pasteur seated himself before a little table on the platform in order to receive the addresses of the delegates, and the President of the Academy of Sciences, Monsieur Dabadie, opened the meeting and gave the floor to Monsieur Charles Dupuis, Minister of Public Instruction. After summing up the works of Pasteur and extending a greeting to the foreign delegates, Monsieur Dupuis concluded by pointing out the significance of the Jubilee. But what characterizes this ceremony beyond all else? What gives your Jubilee its distinctive mark, he said, is that our homage is extended less to the past than to the future. Science, on behalf of which the whole universe is in your debt, has received from you a sure method and a definite principle. But as you yourself have said, the era of its application has only just commenced. The Pasteur Institute, built and endowed through the gratitude and admiration of peoples and of governments for the purpose of serving, both as a center of high scientific culture and a source of relief for the ills of the human race, will realize your hopes. May you long continue, dear and illustrious master, to preside over the destinies of this young and glorious edifice and animate with your inspiring ardor the phalanx of disciples who will surely fulfill the promises of the pastor doctrine. May France possess you for long years yet to come and distinguish you before the world as the worthy object of her love, her gratitude, and her pride. After Monsieur d'Abadie had presented Pasteur with the great golden medal, engraved by Roti, 
addresses were made by Messieurs Bertrand and Daubray, and then by the famous English surgeon Lister, in the name of the Royal Society of London. Monsieur Pasteur, he said, the great honor has been accorded me of bringing you the homage of the sciences of medicine and surgery. As a matter of fact, there is no one living in the entire world to whom the medical sciences owe so much as they do to you. Your researches in regard to fermentations have shed a powerful light that has illumined the fatal darkness of surgery and changed the treatment of wounds from a matter of empiricism, uncertain and too often disastrous, to a scientific art of assured beneficence. Thanks to you, surgery has undergone a complete revolution which has robbed it of its terrors and extended its efficacious powers almost without limit. Medicine is indebted no less than surgery to your profound and philosophic studies. You have lifted the veil which for centuries had overhung infectious diseases. You have discovered and demonstrated their microbic nature, thanks to your initiative and in many cases to your special and personal labors, there are already a number of these pernicious disorders of the causes of which we have a complete knowledge. Felix qui patuit rerum conoscere causas. This knowledge has already perfected in a surprising fashion the diagnosis of these scourges of the human race and has pointed out the path which must be followed in their prophylactic and curative treatment. On this path, your fine discoveries of the attenuation and reinforcement of viruses and preventive inoculations serve and will always continue to serve as guiding stars. As a brilliant illustration, I may refer to your services in regard to hydrophobia. Their originality is so striking, both in respect to pathology and to therapeutics, that in the beginning many physicians were mistrustful of you. Is it possible, they said to me, that a man who is neither a physician nor a biologist can instruct us after this fashion regarding a disease over which the finest brains in the medical profession have labored in vain? Quis nois hic nostri succesit sedibus hospes. For my part, I knew only too well the brilliance of your genius, the scrupulous care of your inductions, and your absolute honesty to share such opinions for a moment. My confidence has been amply justified by the results, because with the insignificant exception of a few ignorant persons, the whole world now recognizes the greatness of your victory over this terrible malady. You have furnished a method of diagnosis which puts an end beyond question to the torturing uncertainty which formerly haunted anyone who had been bitten by a dog which, although healthy, was suspected of being mad. This alone would have sufficed to assure you the eternal gratitude of humanity. But through your marvelous system of inoculations against hydrophobia, we have succeeded in following up the poison after its entry into the system and have vanquished it. Monsieur Pasteur, infectious diseases constitute, as you know, the great majority of maladies that afflict the human race. You can therefore well understand that the sciences of medicine and surgery are eager, upon this solemn occasion, to offer you the profound homage of their admiration and gratitude. At the close of this address, 
the two great scientists exchanged affectionate greetings in the midst of tumultuous enthusiasm. Further addresses were delivered by M. Bergeron, permanent secretary of the Academy of Medicine, and by M. Sauton, president of the Municipal Council of Paris. The delegations then filed past the little table behind which Pasteur was seated and laid their addresses on it. England was represented not only by Lister, but by Burden Sanderson, Grath, Malloy, Pavi, Percival Wright, Roscoe, Ray Lancaster, Ruffer, Sidney Martin, Woodhead, Plimmer, Germany by Haskovec and Scotelius, Belgium by Berlier, Van Beneden, Casimir, Depere, Herrera, Laurent, Parmentier, Pecher, Rousseau, Rufferat, De Wilde, Denmark by Jacobson, Salomonson, Stuttgart, Vancher, Spain by Chiron and Henner, Holland by Engelmann, Pekelharing, Sponk, Stockfis, Van Overbeckel de Meyer, Italy by Campana and Perocito, Russia by Menchnikov and Vinogradsky, Poland by Beni, Bujvid and Golazovsky. Sweden and Norway by Jardal, Mam, Lindstrom, Nordenson, Selander, Switzerland by Serronville, Depine, Ladam, Sore, Tarel, Sulzer. The leading scientific societies also had their delegates. The University of Athens was represented by Monsieur Panas, and the Berlin Society of Medicine and Faculty of Medicine by Monsieur Bouchard. There were still other delegations from the Society of Medicine at Bern, the Belgian Society of Microscopy, and the Society of Students of the Civil Hospitals of Brussels, from the Academic College of Bucharest and the University of Christiania, from the Association of Hygiene at Cologne, from the Academy of Copenhagen, etc. The French delegations were called forward in their turn, and those from Dole and Arcbois attracted special attention because in the midst of this glorious ceremony they called to mind the humble origin of Pasteur. The mayor of Dole offered him in the name of its citizens an album containing reproductions of his birth certificate and of the little house in which he was born. This was an intimate note, tender and touching. Pasteur's reply to these discourses celebrating his glory had to be read by his son, it is a page of grave eloquence and forms, as it were, his moral and scientific testament. Here is the complete text, which deserves to be preserved as one of the most beautiful monuments of French thought. Monsieur, the President of the Republic, your presence transforms everything. An intimate festival becomes a great festival, and the simple anniversary of the birth of a scientist will remain, thanks to you, a date in the history of French science. Monsieur the Minister, gentlemen, in the midst of all this brilliance, my first thought reverts regretfully to all those men of science who spent their lives in vain endeavors. In the past, they had to struggle against prejudices which stifled their ideas. These prejudices conquered, they still encountered other obstacles and difficulties of all sorts. It was only a few years ago before the public authorities and the municipal council had begun to provide magnificent abodes for science, that a man whom I greatly loved and admired, Claude Bernard, 
possessed as his sole laboratory a low and humid cellar only a few steps from here. Perhaps it was in that cellar that he contracted the disease which caused his death. Upon learning of the reception you were preparing for me tonight, his was the first image that rose before my mind. I salute the memory of that great man. Gentlemen, though an ingenious and delicate thought, it would seem as though you had wished to cause a vision of my entire life to pass before my eyes. One of my compatriots from the Jura, the mayor of the city of Dole, has brought me a photograph of the very humble home in which my father and mother lived their hard and needy life. The presence of all these students from the École Normale reminds me of the intoxication of my first scientific enthusiasms. The representatives of the faculty of Lille evoke the memory of my first studies in crystallography and fermentations, which opened to me an entire new world. What boundless hopes took possession of me when I first grasped the fact that there were laws behind all those obscure phenomena? You, my dear colleagues, have yourselves been witnesses of the series of deductions that permitted me, as a disciple of the experimental method, to arrive at physiological studies. If at times I have troubled the calm of your academies with somewhat heated discussions, it was because I was passionately defending the truth. You, lastly, delegates from foreign nations who have come from so far to give proof of your sympathy toward France, you bring me the most profound joy that can be felt by a man who believes invincibly that science and peace will triumph over ignorance and war, that the various peoples will come to an agreement not to destroy but to build up, and that the future will belong to those who have done the most for suffering humanity. I appeal to you, my dear Lister, and to you all, illustrious representatives of science and medicine and surgery. Young men, young men, put your confidence in these sure and powerful methods from which we have as yet learned only the first secrets. And I say to all of you, whatever your career may be, guard yourselves from the taint of destructive and sterile skepticism. Refuse to be discouraged by the sadness of certain hours which pass over a nation. Live in the serene peace of laboratories and libraries. Say to yourselves at first, what have I done toward my own education? And then in proportion as you advance, what have I done for my country? Do so up to the moment when perhaps you may have the immense happiness of thinking that you have contributed in some measure to the progress and well-being of humanity. But whether life favors your efforts to a greater or a less extent, one must have earned the right to say, when the great goal draws near, I have done what I could. Gentlemen, I wish to express my profound emotion and my deepest gratitude. Just as the great artist Roti on the reverse side of this medal has hidden under roses the date of heavy years that weigh upon my life, so you, my dear colleagues, have wished to give to my old age a spectacle to gladden it immensely, the spectacle of all this eager and affectionate youth. The ceremony, notwithstanding that it was official, ended in an outburst of enthusiasm that gave it a high human significance. 
Louis Pasteur had fulfilled his task. The robust toiler, genius, and dogged will combined could now rest among his disciples, who continued the struggle in his place, and according to his methods, on behalf of science and against disease, in order to extend the frontiers of life. End of section 14.